Hello and welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio. I am Tom Reed, joined by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari, and we have just witnessed a two-game sweep of the lowly Sabres in the most recent games, a 5-2 to two win on Wednesday night, followed by a 4 nothing win on Thursday. And that leaves the Penguins 10 points now clear of fifth place. Uh, they remain in third place, but a a pretty a, – the Penguins came into this really needing to win both games. They got the job done. Um, we're going to discuss – uh, what happened in these two games here. But I want to uh, alert our audience that we're, our format's a little bit different tonight. Normally, we don't have two interview segments. We always try to have a guest uh, on each one of our podcasts. Uh, but uh, today, we have two. Uh, when uh, we'll, we'll have Brian Burke, president of Hockey Operations, coming up in our second segment. And MSG analyst Marty Baron. Uh, will join us to talk extensively about goaltending. Uh, but first, the matter at hand, the two wins over the lowly Sabres. Taylor, what is your headline coming out of these two games? Uh, well, my headline coming out of this this last one uh, on Thursday night is just the, the guys stepping up with the injuries they've had, specifically, I mean, Zahorn and McCann in that game. Um, I mean, McCann on the power play, two goals. Uh, he's the backup to the backup on the power play because what Malkin went out, replaced by Kapanen. Kapanen's now hurt, replaced by McCann, and he had two goals, pretty much identical goals. And then, um, again, with all the forwards they have out, Zahorna stepping up, scoring uh, that that first goal. Um, just just really really cool to see that. Really cool to see, like, the emotion on the bench. But, uh, I mean, this, two games against a really bad hockey team. They were hard to watch at times. Uh, the Sabres, and uh, I, I always feel bad for the for the goalies after watching uh, four games against them now. But, uh, yeah, just the, the Sabres are so bad. Uh, Dave, uh, no question the Sabres are bad, but our co- tone of our conversation would be much different if they had only come away with one point or, or, or not played well as they struggled against New Jersey before this. Uh, You've you, you got to get these points, right, if you're going to qualify for the playoffs and maybe fight for home ice. Yeah, I mean, New Jersey isn't a great team by any means, but uh, the Devils at this point are light years ahead of the Sabres. Um, you know, I <clears throat> give the Penguins credit. They, they did what they had to do the past two games. But, you know, I wouldn't read too terribly much into the results. They're, you know, they're going to face a much more severe test, I think, in the next two games against the Islanders. Uh Again, you know, they, they did what they had to do. They, you know, they absolutely had to take four points from uh, from Buffalo in these two games, and they did that. Um, so, you know, all the credit to them for, for that. But, you know, it's going to be uh, a pretty tough slog in, in the short-term future for them, uh, you know, with, with all of the, the guys they have missing. I think in these type of games, uh, when you play an inferior opponent, there probably are two concerns with coaches. One of them is injury, and we'll get to that in a minute. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. And the second is 
just developing any kind of bad habits uh, in games where you're, you know, you're probably going to win. Maybe guys going out there looking to maybe do some individual stuff to, to pad their stats or just maybe not being as sharp as normal. Uh, Taylor, did you see any of that in these two games? Um, I know. I don't think we saw any necessarily bad habits. Uh, I mean, injuries, uh, we did see that because Kapanen got hurt in the first game off of a, I mean, it, like a fluky play that happens however many times a game. It was like a clearing attempt um, from the Sabres penalty kill to just hit him somewhere in the lower leg. Um, and so now they're out without him for, for week to week. So, I mean, that was uh, definitely the worst thing to come out of this series, but I don't think we saw any bad habits necessarily. Dave, I'm assuming you see the same, the same, you saw the same two games as far as uh, them playing pretty well and not really developing anything that's going to hurt them going into these, this tough, these tough stretch games with the Islanders. Uh, no, I, no, I, I mean, I, I agree with that, but I, I also think part of that is that a, a lot of guys who played in these two games can't afford to develop bad habits. You know, there, there are a lot of guys who, who got significant ice time in, in these two games who are at best on, on the bubble uh, for playing when the Penguins get reasonably healthy. So, you know, this, this was no time to be magnifying any flaws in your game uh, that would not serve you well in the long run. Yeah. All right, uh, Dave, let's, we'll stick with you for a second. I mean, we saw these injuries earlier in the season in the defense. There's some guys out for a little while here, as, as Taylor mentioned, week to week here with Kapanen. Um, you know, Malkin, they're still hopeful. Uh, Brian Burkle is going to join us later, and that, that interview was pre-recorded. He's saying he agrees with uh, a, the coach's assessment that they expect to have Malkin back in time for the playoffs and to play some regular season games. But boy, that they're starting to, that, that, that top six has really taken a hit. Has it not Dave? And, and what does that portend here for these upcoming games? Well, it will certainly make it a challenge. And yes, they said they uh, very clearly have, have taken a hit. In fact, you know, their entire second line is missing now. Um, you know, part of the challenge of succeeding in this league is to uh, overcome adversity. And uh, they've certainly gotten their share of it this season, as you mentioned, uh, you know, early on with uh, all of the defensemen, especially left-handed defensemen who were missing. And now it's just been an epidemic of, of injuries to forwards. Um, it, uh, it certainly, if, they, if they're able to get into the playoffs... Uh, they they will have earned it. They've uh, you know they, they've faced some challenges to this point, and uh, and there will be more before we get to the end of the regular season in early May. Taylor, I can't imagine a team uh, that prepares you worse for the Islanders than playing the Sabers, and I don't necessarily even mean that as where these teams are in the standings, uh, but the. One of the things that is glaring when you watch the Sabres, and I've watched them a lot this season, is how undisciplined they are, the mistakes that they make. They're all over the, the board. Uh, it's just being out of position. And you're going to you're going to come against, again, and obviously the Penguins have played the 
played the Islanders well uh, enough to know what they're going to be getting into. But it's going to be a contrasting style to what they just got done facing, is it not? Yeah, and I mean, we we saw like some of the players look lifeless at times on the Sabers, and then goaltending's a big you know difference too. These past two games, they played um, in in goal for the Sabers, a guy who was Casey dismissed back up in the AHL last season. He started both games, Dustin uh, Jakarski, and he looked good, but still, they're about to play, um, you know, on the on the Islanders, probably the best goaltending uh, goaltender in the East. Um, you know, throughout the season in Varlamov. So, uh, I mean, that's that's definitely going to be a challenge too. But uh, I don't know. I think this was a, a good way to ease in some of those guys that just came up from from Wilkes-Barre, like Zahorna and Gaudreau. Like Gaudreau is a guy who's really stepped up, I think, and he's he's looked really good since he came back with, you know, like Bluger and Tanev, two of their, um, you know, top penalty-killing forwards out for, you know, a guy like Gaudreau to come in and step up the way he has. Um against you know lesser teams uh, i think maybe a good way to ease them into it but yeah it's definitely a challenge uh coming up taylor do you do we get any sense and, and you were at the game today today and obviously we're working the whole day do we get any sense of how close or not close tanif is because he seems like the one that's maybe closest to getting back in the lineup i know zucker's skating but where where are those two guys right now yeah, I mean, like you said, Zucker, he's been skating um, either like individually or with the taxi squad for a few days. Tanev, I mean, it's really hard to say because it started out, what, he got hurt uh, uh, in one of the games against the Devils. And then, you know, the next game against the Devils, he took warm-ups and then got um, pulled from warm-ups. He, um, he didn't play that game. And then he was supposed to be a game-time decision for, for the next game. Uh, he didn't take warm-ups and didn't play. And then for the, the last two games, they've ruled him out before the game. Um, so I, I, it's hard to really say anything because just the, how, how does he go from taking warm-ups and then not, uh, not playing to just being ruled out in, in the morning like he has been? I, I'm still not – I mean, we don't know for sure what it is. It's an upper body injury. I know in that last game he played, um, he did, I think, take a puck to the hand. Uh, at one point, so I don't know if that's it. But I mean, it's hard to really put any kind of time frame when we don't know what it is. But of the guys that that are out, he, I, he seems like he'd be the next one back. But I mean, again, we don't we don't we can't say for sure when. Yeah, he's the type of game a guy to me too. Tanev Tanev can play against any team, but to me, uh, his style uh, kind of suits these those tight checking games against teams like the Islanders and Capitals. Dave, Taylor mentioned, touched on the, the fact that Simeon Varlamov is having a real good season. But take it a step further for us in, in, in about Barry Trotz's system and how organized and disciplined they are in, in front of their own goal. And as good as Varlamov is, and we've seen this with goaltender with, with Trotz's goaltenders for years, is he always seems to have good goaltenders. And I don't want to say they're system goalies, uh, but that's a, certainly a, a difficult team to break down. Uh, it is. I mean, Trotz, whether he was in Nashville or Washington or now on Long Island, has always stressed good team defense, you know, high, highly structured defensive game. Uh, he's always had and developed good goaltenders. Uh, you know, this is uh, – pretty much a standard issue Barry Trotz team that, that they're going to be facing 
there, there really aren't any characteristics uh, that, that the Islanders have that, that you would say are atypical for, for a team that he coaches. Yeah. And a type of team that usually has some success, at least in the early rounds of playoffs, uh, because they, they kind of play that type of playoff game. And uh, that's one of the uh, a segue into our second segment because it's something that uh, something that Brian Burke picked up on. Uh, Brian Burke said, if you look at the last three teams that have won Stanley Cups, and we're talking about Washington, St. Louis, and Tampa Bay, they have that nice combination of talent and tenacity, and it's something that I think the that, that he would like to see the Penguins maybe try to work toward, maybe even address as we get closer to uh, the trade deadline. But don't take my word for it. Uh, when we come back in our next segment of the 66 to 87 podcast, you will hear our interview with the president of hockey operations, Ryan Burke. Stay with us, won't you? Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast, and we are delighted to be joined uh, by the Penguins of President Hockey of Operations, Brian Burke. Brian, thanks for taking some time today. My pleasure, Tom. Good, great. Hey, Brian, I think a lot of people, I think the average fan knows what a general manager does. Um, can you kind of give us an idea, since you've been here, we see you a lot up in the in the press box on television uh, right next to Ron Hextall, you guys are talking, obviously working side by side. But what have been like some of your roles that maybe fans uh, don't know about as you've started this job with the Penguins? Well, I think the number one thing that people would uh, would be, I guess, surprised to learn is a big part of the job is to take as much off the GM's plate as possible. So we get a lot of speaking requests. You know, can you speak at this Chamber of Commerce? Can you? Uh, can you speak at this, uh, you know, Rotary Club? And my last year in Calgary as president of hockey operations, I did 60 or 80 of those. I'm not, I don't recall the exact number. And those are 60 things the GM doesn't have to do because we want to be present and active in the community. We want to grant as many of those requests as we can. Uh, but that takes that off the GM's plate. And then, you know, I've been a GM for more than 20 years and, the experience that I bring to the job hopefully can, can help guide Hexy in certain areas and say, I don't think this is a good idea to start down that path. Um, you want to sign a free agent, maybe they send me to sign the free agent. Uh, you want to cover the, the farm team, you know, like it's different in COVID, but if someone's going to go to Wilkes-Barre and Hexy's staying with the team, then I'll go to Wilkes-Barre. So it's, it's doing a lot of the stuff and being a presence in the, Organization. I'll give you an example. Every other year, uh, when I was in Calgary, I would go on a bus ride with the American League team, and not an easy one, not not a simple bus ride that was you know four hours. Right. Uh, I remember my last year in Calgary. I went to I met the team in San Diego. We played the game. We bused to Bakersfield after the game. That was six hours. Played in Bakersfield the next day, and then bused four and a half hours home. I think it was. So that presence where, where the top management people are on the bus with the players, yeah. that goes a long way. So those types of things. 
Yeah. I'm going to get back to the, the, the prospects in a second. Um, I talked to one of your uh, close associates, uh, Dave Pullen, uh, recently. And Dave knows Hexy having played with him. He said that it would be a dynamic pair with you two together. Uh, you guys have been together for a little while now. How, how has the relationship worked with you two? Well, I, I've studied Hexy from afar. We weren't close friends, but I've watched him closely. And he's a thoughtful guy. When he speaks, he has something to say. He chooses his words carefully. He's very serious, which I like. Uh, but he's got a good sense of humor, too, because this job's difficult if you don't work with people you like. So far, it's been great. We share the same type of vision as far as the team we want to put on the ice and the type of player we want to bring here. And it's been excellent so far. He's a top-notch guy. Berkey, your, your career has spanned, obviously, the entire time that Sidney Crosby's been in the league. Uh, you've seen him on the other side as, 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 as a rival GM. You've, you've analyzed him uh, working in broadcasting. Now that you've been around him kind of day-to-day, -day, watching game after game, is, is there anything that you've learned about him that maybe you didn't know or have gained a greater appreciation for? Well, he's the student of the game. Like, when we watch the games together – we notice a lot of the same things, where the mistakes are made. And it, some of them are very obvious to everyone in the building when a mistake is made, but some of them are much more subtle, where a guy loses coverage and someone covers for him, and next thing you know, it's in our net. And the first mistake was the one that cost us the goal, not the second mistake. So the analysis of when we break down, what we're doing well, we're seeing a lot of the same things, which I enjoy. Uh, Brian, we've you as your over the last couple of years in your role as an analyst, you have you know you've seen teams out there that that have competed for the cups. Which ones have impressed you as far as having that nice blend of talent and tenacity? Well, I think if you look at the last three cups, I think the teams all share common characteristics where they've got bigger teams, they've got depth, uh, they've got size. And they've got some star power that can get the job done and on the big stage. And you look at a Tampa that you know added grit, added Gaudreau, and added Coleman to a star-studded cast. They've all had good goaltending. And so, to me, there's very a number of common characteristics that championship teams possess. Yeah, I, I think uh, Tampa is is an excellent example. Last year, they you know they got swept by by uh, Columbus and whatnot, made those moves to, again, not to add fighters, but to add some toughness. Uh, when you look at the lineup you have right now, do you feel like you have that requisite grit, or would you like to see a little bit of that added somewhere? Well, I think, I think if you look at our team when we're healthy, we're a pretty good team. Like, we were playing at a pretty good clip till we got banged up. So now you got Zucker out, you got uh, Gino out, you got Tanev out for a couple games. You've got Bluger out, and all of a sudden it's a very different team. You know, we're not able to score as much, or we're not able to defend as much. I think when we're healthy, I think we could be a little bit bigger, but I like the way, you know, we put together a pretty good stretch there with our whole lineup. Now we're banged up and it's harder. Do you like that third line when it's together with the Tanith line and Bluger and Zach Aston Reese? Uh, usually Absolutely. you can't go very far far in this league without having a good third line they seem like they have at least the makings of it yeah i, th I really like that line they work hard they they carry the, they possess the puck for good chunks of time they get the puck deep and work it hard 
they wear the other team out. So I like that line a lot. Yep. Yeah. You know, everything about this season has been different in the end of last season with COVID. Uh, what do you guys expect at the trade deadline? Do you, do you expect it to be a normal trade deadline or will it will we see different, less trades, more trades? What do you think? Well, I, I expect there to be a lot of activity because that's human nature. And when your team gets close, you tend to go for it. And, and you, you think you're close and, and they, you know, I, I checked with the league. They're only going to award one Stanley Cup. But you're still going to see a flurry of activity at the deadline. Now, a couple things complicate it. There's still a 14-day quarantine for players going into Canada. Now, there's some speculation that if they enter with a negative test and enter on a private aircraft, it might be seven days. But right now, the Canadian teams are fighting that. So if you want to add a guy from a U.S.-based team, he's got a quarantine for 14 days. That's one complication. The other complication is a lot of these players have modified no-trade, no-move clauses. And a number of the Canadian teams are typically on those clauses, so they might be barred from trying to get players that they would like to get. That's another complication. And third is just about everyone that's in contention has a big cap issue. So I think you'll yeah. see a fair amount of activity, but maybe not as much as in a typical year. Yeah. Um, I know, and obviously we're still a couple weeks away, uh, and you're just you guys are going to kind of wait and see where you are at that point as far as whether you'll be active at the deadline or not, or if you can get your lineup back intact by then? Well, I think it's a combination of both things. If we if we can add without giving up, we've given up a lot of futures here, and that's not said critically because Jimmy Rutherford's got two rings with Pittsburgh logos on them. So whatever you do to win, you do it. And he, But within that, if we can add to this group, we're going to try. Yeah. And getting healthy, obviously. You know, Tanev should be back pretty quickly. Uh, Zucker's way ahead of schedule, so he might be back sooner than, than we thought. But the other guys are probably a couple weeks away. Yeah. And you still think that uh, – I know Mike had said this a couple of days ago. You Are you optimistic in, in getting Geno back before the before the end of the season? Well, we have to go with what the doctors say. But, yes, that's what they're telling us is there's a, an excellent chance, if not a likelihood, that we get him back in advance of the playoffs. Right. Uh, uh, you mentioned earlier you went down to Wilshire and we, we just talked about having to kind of move, move guys to make runs for cups in recent years. What are your early impressions of the prospect pool with the Penguins? Well, I think there's some guys there that are going to play, but there wasn't anyone that I wanted to bring back on the in the car with me. I think they're going to need some time. There's a couple of talented kids yeah. down there, but I think mostly they're going to need more time. Brian, thank you uh, very much for your time. And uh, best of luck uh, to the team as, as, as you guys come down the stretch drive here. Okay, thanks, Tom. That was Brian Burke, and you've been listening to the 66 to 87 podcast. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Sports Radio, and we are delighted to be joined by Marty Barone, uh, works for MSG Network. You can find his work just about everywhere. Terrific goaltender for a long time. Uh, does work uh, on the Sabres broadcast. Uh, Marty, thanks for, thanks for joining us today. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, two things. One, 66 to 87. I wonder where you guys got those numbers. I don't know. A couple guys, maybe. And two, Pittsburgh was never really kind to me. My very first <laughs> NHL game was in Pittsburgh. I got blown out. And uh, my two playoff losses were in Pittsburgh. And, yeah, you guys were never really kind to me. <laughs> I was just talking with Elvis Merzlikens the other day. And Elvis shares your shares that story. He was blown out in his first game in Pittsburgh as well. And he's rebounded. And of course, you've rebounded to have a really long and prosperous career and now in broadcasting as well. Marty, I, I want to ask you a little bit just briefly uh, with, with the Sabres and what it must be like uh, for goaltenders in a situation like that where you know your team's not scoring. Jack Eichel hasn't been playing. What kind of mentally, how wearing is and taxing is that on goaltenders? Uh, it's obviously not easy for a goalie, but I think the mentality of goaltenders at that NHL level or even at the pro level is only to focus on what you can do. It may be cliche, but you know I always try to play games in a five-minute increment, so I didn't worry what happened in the first five if I was in the third five minute of a period, and I wasn't worrying about the next five. I just played my five minutes, uh, you know, and, and so when that happens you you don't really stress about the score obviously if you keep losing it's definitely very heavy when you keep losing over and over and over again and the confidence goes away um but you know what i played on teams that were bankrupt i played on teams that were really good and if you just break it down to smaller times so a smaller time period uh, it usually helps and that's what that's what they have to do and that's not easy especially now in buffalo but that's what they have to do uh, Marty, this team, uh, the Penguins, came into the season. A lot of people thought they were maybe one of five teams in this division that would have a shot at making the playoffs. Uh, what have you seen uh, from them this year? Just with the skaters, let's we'll, we'll address the goaltending in a second. But w what have you seen with this team uh, that's kind of kept them in the race and uh, in third place right now? Obviously, I mean, uh, they've got a, a lot of depth, I think, anyway. I know that they always could use more depth. And when they won the Cups, that's because their third line was with uh, Haglund, Benino, and Kessel was extremely good for them. Uh, but I think they've got some pieces that can remind me of that. Uh, a guy that I really have liked the last few years. And to be honest with you, I, I, I knew when he was just a young little kid playing mini sticks in the hallways in Philadelphia as Casper Kapanen. You know, I played with his dad, Sammy, and and Casper was just hanging out and, and playing mini sticks. And now I've watched him and I'm like, wow, what a great skater. What a great player. Uh, and he's definitely found his groove now with the pens. So uh, I think he's pretty, he's pretty special. And I think that's going to help him uh, down the stretch here with their depth. Dave, I'll, 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 go ahead, Dave. Oh, no, uh, Martin, thank you for speaking with us. And the East Division in general, are there any teams that have surprised you either in a good way or a bad way this season? I'll tell you this. I thought the New York Islanders were going to take a step back, and only because the schedule was one that if you play four, five, six games against the New York Islanders in a small period of time, Maybe you can figure them out. Maybe you can find a way around their really tough structure uh, defensively and in the neutral zone. Uh, but their success has surprised me quite a bit, especially 
you know, having lost now Anders Lee for the rest of the season, but guys like Pajot have stepped up, Beauvillier stepped up, Brock Nelson has stepped up, and we know Barzell could be spe spectacular. Um, I thought their defense was going to struggle, uh, having lost, uh, you know, Boychuk and Devin Tays. Um, and their goaltending, I wasn't sure what that was going to look like without Thomas Grice there. Um, but I've been impressed. I'll have to give it to Barry Trotz. He and his staff have done an amazing job again. So I've been impressed with the Islanders. I've not been so impressed with my former team, the Philadelphia Flyers. I think that's been a struggle. And as of now, I'm looking at the East, and I'm looking at the top four teams in the East as, a, as, as the four teams that will make the playoffs at the end of the year, uh, you know, and, and for Pittsburgh, that bodes well because it would be Washington, Islanders, Boston, and Pittsburgh. So that's that's the way I look at it right now. Not that there's been a lot of surprise, but I did think that Philly was going to be better and the Islanders were going to drop a little bit. Are you surprised, uh, as a lot of us are, by, by the struggles that, that Carter Hart has gone through this year? He seemed like he could really be a franchise goalie for the Flyers. And, I mean, a lot of us still believe that he will be eventually, but he certainly seems to have taken a step back in, in his second season. I'm very surprised, to be honest with you, because I always liked Carter Hart. I thought he had a little bit of Carey Price in him. He's extremely solid uh, technically, and he has really good structure. But where the structure will get you so far, especially – uh, you know, in the NHL, like structure will get you really, really far in juniors and in the American League. But at the NHL level, you need that extra gear. And you look at the best goalies in the league right now, the Vasilevsky, the Fleury, the, even the Phil Grubauer, they battle, they have that sense of urgency throughout their whole game, uh, and it makes a difference. And right now I'm not seeing it. Uh, that sense of urgency and that speed out of Carter Hart. So for me, uh, you know, that would be the number one focus. Don't focus so much on your uh, on your technique and on your structure. Just find that extra gear, and that that would help a lot for a guy like Carter Hart. Uh, but it's hard to do in season. So for me right now, unfortunately, I think this is almost a write-off for him for the year. You get to work in the summer, and hopefully you come back stronger next year. Marty, I wanted to ask you about the also the the the, the Penguins goaltending situation. Uh, you know, this year, um, you know, there was a lot of questions coming into the season with uh, Matt Murray finally uh, leaving the organization. Of course, he had won the two cups. You know, Tristan Jari came off a good season last year, but the safety net was being removed. So it was kind of kind of be him and Casey DeSmith. I'm just wondering how you think that those two goalies have handled it, uh, especially Barry kind of being the, the, the lead dog here. Well, I, I think when you look at the whole division, the East division is a division where I don't see a lot of stud goaltenders, right? And it used to be, uh, you know, Lundqvist was there and then you had Holby in Washington and you had a lot of really good Matt Murray or Fleury. Uh, you had a lot of really top-end goaltenders and now it's definitely different the way the division is. I mean, Varlamov is probably the most experienced guy to Rask, but Rask has had his ups and downs with the Boston Bruins. So I really look at it as it's wide open, and the Pittsburgh Penguins should feel pretty good the way that Jari and the Smith have been able to bounce back uh, mentally from a really tough start. It could have easily been one of those where, oh, man, we're not playing well. Uh, you know, it's our fault, and, you know, we you add a lot of pressure on your shoulders that way. I thought they bounced really nicely from that 
and now um, instead of being a weakness, they are being a, a, a you know a strength of sort because the Penguins don't have to worry about their goaltending. They can worry about the rest of their game. So I really believe that that's a a good situation for them to be in. And with the way the division is, and you don't have to face a Price or you know a Vasilevsky or a Hellebuck or anything like that. That's definitely the key. Marty, you've mentioned uh, Flurry a couple of times. He's 36 years old now. Are, are you surprised that he's still playing a, at a Vesna Trophy caliber level? And how do, how do you explain him being so good at, uh, you know, nearly 20 years after he was drafted? I'll tell you this. If uh, Marc-Andre Fleury um, would fold under pressure or fold under uh, as a competitor, I don't think he would still be in the National Hockey League. He is a competitor at heart. He takes really good care of himself. Uh, I've seen him after practices when he was with Pittsburgh. They came into Buffalo one time. I'm talking to him. And then all of a sudden, he's like, okay, well, I got to go. I got some treatments I got to do. I got to take care of myself. Really, really takes care of himself and his body really well. And that's why when he's older, he's, he's able to play at the level. He's able to be athletic. He's able to get all these acrobatic moves and saves and that because he's taken well care of himself. But, you know, even when everybody thought in Vegas, well, this is going to be Robin Leonard, number one, and Flurry, well, we should try to trade him or he will be a backup. Uh, that's not the case anymore. Flurry is your guy. He's a Vesna Trophy uh, candidate, in my opinion. Probably not as good as Veslevsky, but still pretty spectacular. And I'm not surprised. Um, I think he's been able to bounce back from way worse this, the, in his career. Uh, and uh, he still does it, and I think he's still going to do it for another three, four years. I think he's going to be the exception of the type of guys that are able to play at a high level in their late 30s. I think he still can. Uh, Marty, we'll get you out of here on this one. A uh, uh, friend of the podcast, Larry Brooks, wrote an interesting story this weekend. You were quoted in it about the dearth of really good goaltending coming out of Quebec, which just seems so strange. It's that we've been treated to so many great goalies over the year, and we're just talking about run right now with Marc-Andre Fleury. But when you look around the league, uh, Jonathan Bernier in Detroit and Marc-Andre Fleury are really the only ones right now out of the Quebec region. What has happened there? What 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 has caused all of a sudden where we it looks looks like so many of the, the goalkeepers are coming from Finland, Sweden, uh, Russia. Why not Quebec right now? Well, I think, uh, like I told Brooksy, there's a few reasons for that. One, I really like the European model for development of their goaltenders and, and, and giving them time to de develop and not being in a, in a situation where you need to rush them to juniors. You need to rush them to get drafted. You need to rush them to the, the American League or the NHL. They can take their time and play juniors over there for a while. Then they play Division Two, but they play. They don't sit on the bench. They play which is the key. Uh, and I think we have to start looking at how we develop goaltenders in North America. And the fact that, you know, an 18 year old or 17 year old goalie, uh, unless he's playing juniors, it's better for him to be playing 18 year hockey and at least playing and wait for another year before you get to juniors. And maybe you get to college when you're 20, 21, but at least you're developing in the right path. I know there's going to be guys that are going to go there faster, but, 
I think in a general sense, you have to take your time with goaltenders. So the European leagues are doing that. And the other thing is we had a huge influence and not just in, in role model and Patrick Waugh and uh, uh, Felix Podvin and Jocelyn Thibault and Stefan Fizet and all of these goaltenders, Marty Brother, obviously. Uh, but we had two really good teachers and everybody in the province went to those two guys. And it was Benoit and Francois Allaire. And once they stopped doing their goalie school in the mid nineties, I would say mid to late nineties, um, the goaltenders kind of stopped developing in Quebec and Jonathan Bernier and Fleury were the last two really that were part of that wave of goaltenders that went to the goalie school in the summer and, and worked with everybody else, uh, you know, I would Benoit and Francois to get better. And now you're not seeing as many goaltenders uh, even being drafted. My year in 95, there was four goalies drafted in the first round, three from, from uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Jaguar, myself, and Mark Denny. So I don't think you'll ever see that again. And it's unfortunate, but I think it's the rest of the world is catching on and has a better development model. And we have to rethink how we do uh, we do our stuff here. Well, fascinating stuff. Marty, thank you so much for taking a few minutes uh, this afternoon. And, uh, you know, continued success in your broadcasting career. Really enjoy watching your work. And uh, thanks again for, for spending a few minutes today on the uh, 66 to 87 podcast. Well, Thank I you, like Mark 66 to 87. Kevin, I tell you this, 87 used to abuse me in games, but 66 never scored a goal against me, and I did play against them a handful of games. So I, I feel proud of that accomplishment. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, I, can't, I can't make anything better than that. Thanks again for listening to us this week, and we'll be back with you uh, next week on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio.